welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi, Ivo. Hey, Ole. How are you? I'm fine. I'm happy to have you on. Oh, looking forward to our discussion. Hi there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be great. Okay, so so in this conversation, we'll go through uh, three, three things, right? I, I want to hear a little bit about your background, and then I want to hear what you're currently doing, and then we have a surprise element in the end of the conversation that we will reveal at the end of the conversation. So so first of all, Ivo, uh, for the listeners, can you can you explain a little bit about uh, what you've done in the past uh, and uh, and what you're currently doing in, in your work life? Right. Uh, well, um, uh, I was a consultant in my previous life, a software developer, a banker, uh, leading a division in a in a in a in a regional bank here in Austria. And now I I do uh, I run a data team uh, team of consultants uh, with uh, with specific group, uh, and we're fully focused on data within specific group and data management, data operations, and data engineering, and really focusing on those three elements. Uh, for in terms of services, but we also uh, ha- started doing uh, products. So we have two exciting new products that we can talk about. And uh, yeah, very, very excited to to be in the world of data. It is, it is the place to be right now, I think. And uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I very much agree. Data is, uh, is and, and, and has been, I guess, uh, for, for a while, some, uh, something that is changing, something that is difficult to solve uh, for most companies. So am I getting this right that you moved into data from some kind of other discipline or other like uh, professional practice or did you did you always focus on data in your work life? I actually was doing forensic data analytics with uh, uh, with uh, with the big four. Um, was a senior consultant and manager there I don't know, 12, 12 years ago. Uh, so this is where where I where I saw the value of uh, you know, of not only the data analytics, but actually extracting some knowledgeable, some some uh, insightful knowledge, but uh, from the data, but actually n- requiring the tooling and the infrastructure to get there. Uh, distributed systems, systems at scale. That was that was before the whole cloud, uh, um, yeah. you know, exponential growth, where you actually had to put computers together and you know create software to do some of the tasks to parallelize some of the processing. Uh, the early days of of, of big data, essentially where you mm. just couldn't do it in the cloud, but you also couldn't do it in on-premise in, a, in one system. So you kind of had to be creative. And, uh, and this is where I, where I always kind of found, uh, found, found the data discipline intriguing before it was a thing. I think back then at that age, we spoke about analytics and didn't yeah. spoke, didn't speak about much else. Yeah. yeah, and big data, right? Big data was a term 10 years ago, uh, even 15 years ago. Um, and, 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 and there is this paradox with big data that much of the methodology, many of the ideas are so great. And then you have these distributed systems, right? That, that kind of like uh, limits in terms of technological capacity, what you can do with big data. It's extremely complex to manage the distributed sh- systems, right? Um, and then came the cloud. And I had, um, I had a, a fun conversation with uh, some of the colleagues uh, in Cinea, um a couple of weeks ago, where we discussed what would have happened if that evolution had been uh, the opposite, if we had had the cloud before we had had big data. 
what would have happened. Ole, you, you surprised me with a very interesting hypothetical. I, I remember, <laughs> especially back in my undergrad, did a, like a research paper, like a bachelor's thesis, if you can call that, on, on cloud computing. And I remember the discussion that was like 2009, where, where at least the popular opinion amongst professors here, at least in continental Europe, seemed to be that, oh, you know, this is big tech companies who are just trying to sell us some infra and calling it the cloud. And is this really so great? Does it really scale horizontally the way they, they, they um, actually um, um, claim this to be? And, and do we really lose sovereignty by, you know, relying on them? And that was the early days of Azure was just announced and, you know, just like early days of Azure. And, uh, uh, and so that's an interesting hypothetical. Nowadays, um, you still have a lot of businesses that haven't gone to the cloud, right? Uh, mm -hmm. In Europe, uh, in, in the German-speaking world, uh, you can consider the fact that finance and banking are really, I mean, previously, it was, if you were a decision maker and you really wanna, uh, wanted to argue for budgets, well, there, there were good reasons to stay out of the cloud, right? Uh, and, and now it's kind of, you have to have a reason not to go to the cloud that you want to explain to management. Like, yes, maybe yeah. for, 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 for various reasons, but it's, it's definitely moving more towards being the default. Now, it's a huge paradigm shift in how we think about, you know, data protection, how we think about the risks that, that come out of the cloud, and how we think about tooling that we could, in the data space, that we can only use on-premise before uh, with our legacy systems and all the ways and, uh, that our, the, all our pipelines are built and all our reporting is built. And now we can, uh, you know, by, by being able to go to the cloud, it's almost the choices. There's too much choice. What shall we do? Uh, mm. Ultimately, is it really much cheaper? Is, does it really make sense to do it because of cost? Mm -hmm. And the answer to these questions are, I think there was a hype where it was pretty clear that the cloud is the way to go. I think it still is the way to go, but the question is with what, when, and how to organize it is what basically the fight is. So it's not like whether you're going to be using the cloud, but, um, but the use cases and the toolings uh, and, and kind of the entire stack that you use there, you kind of have to tailor it to your needs to, 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 to most benefit, right? Yeah, I very and much so, agree. Yeah. I've, no, well, apologies. Please continue, Ivo. Yeah, and, and, and that, that includes uh, you know, uh, looking outside your immediate favorite vendor of choice, right? Uh, looking beyond your immediate team and, and just trying to, to get smart. I mean, obviously, this is a minute for, for advertising, but yeah, I, I strongly believe that, that the, cho the choice is too much. It's, it's not like, like previously, you, you bought Oracle, it's Oracle, it's pretty clear. You bought IBM, this is like the company's the best. You bought Microsoft, uh, and, and now there's, there's a, uh, in the data space, uh, there's a lot more choice. Like there's open source, there's, there's other vendors that specialize in various elements of the stack. So it's really not trivial. Uh, to expect that your own team is perfectly knowledgeable about all of those technologies uh, and, 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 and how to use them, right? So, um, yes, uh, agreed, agreed. And I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this uh, lately, uh, both about big data and the cloud. But then again, on the other side, I mean, uh, the movement towards cloud, you're also mentioning that there was this hype uh, around cloud. Maybe it's too much to call it a hype. But I agree that, that there was this standard answer that if someone uh, was to do a transformation uh, of a, an IT infrastructure setup, an IT landscape, it would be towards the cloud. Now, lately, and I don't know about you, Ivo, but lately I've been seeing a lot of uh, calculations made on the economic benefit of going back on-prem. 
And I've been seeing also like this, and then there's this entire impossibility of, of moving. Like you can't run an, a factory on the cloud. You simply can't. And if it's a simple Google search. I mean, to try, try Googling, uh, can I run a factory on the cloud? You basically can't. I mean, if, if you really, really insist, of course you can, but it's just why on earth would you want to do that? I mean, right. machines, machines have embedded IT, right? Right, right, right. And uh, no, absolutely. Like, and by the way, the same applies to AI, right? Now with the rise of, you know, uh, you know, well, uh, uh, wasn't even a company that uh, producing the, that wants to produce a tiny box, right? If you can have like an on-premise, uh, you know, appliance that can run like a 70 billion model and that works on a normal power outlet and costs relatively little, they're like, why would you want to, you know, go all in the cloud? Now, the reason why the economics changed the thing is because, well, first, in, in the beginning, it was, you know, the, there was a clear business case for going to the cloud. So you didn't go to the cloud for like the added security. You didn't go to the cloud for, you know, um, uh, just uh, um, the tooling alone that is there. You just do it because it will save you money. Because, you know, the infrastructure that you're running on premise, that you're running a whole data center for, you know, you, you're just running too much on your own. Uh, and mm -hmm. there's uh, there's uh, it, there's no economic sense in, in being like a bank that has everything, right? Uh, there, there's there's a there's a good reason why I don't know Microsoft. I don't know what the, we always say billion, but maybe they're spending one and a half billion. I don't know what the number is right now on on security alone per year, right? Can you do yeah. that as a bank? No, it, it, regardless of what bank you are. Mm -hmm. uh, now, um, but then people got complacent, right? They 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 moved this, especially with around the modern data stack in the data space. Speaking about our kind of area of expertise. They started just using the cloud as like, let's select star, you know, um, cowboy style, select star from everything. Well, you know, obviously the fact that you don't have like, the fact that you don't have like a DBA team running, you know, the operations doesn't mean that you shouldn't have like a FinOps team running the cloud spend uh, numbers. And yeah, you could do this more efficiently. You could definitely save money, but only if you, if you, if you uh, willingly uh, and if you're cognizant about how to do it. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but many companies, especially in the area of, of easy money, uh, found out only later is that they've been running massively ineffective cloud uh, infrastructures because they just went crazy with selecting mm. star with no checks and balances, no no guardrails of any kind. And yeah, then 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 if there's no limit to how much you can spend with the cloud. So uh, from a CFO uh, and CEO perspective, you know it's it's pretty clear that you need to change. But also something you mentioned with companies. Um, companies move to the cloud as part of transformations. This is actually very interesting. I think we're post or we should at least be past the, the digital transformation age. I mean, we did yeah. 10 years of digital transformation where we talked about digital, have we transformed <laughs> digitally? Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, so, and so cloud was like, if you change the, you know, it's like a, a Conway's law, right? Where, mm -hmm. where the systems are tailored to the, or, or, or the departments are tailored to the systems, you change the systems, you change the department, you really had to bring in some fresh air, oxygen into the IT departments and many incumbent organizations. Um, you oh, know, yes. he, he, in in a fintech space, you saw how like fintech was, um, you know, popping everywhere and and running efficient products that customer loved compared to the incumbent. Uh, let's say where most of our customers are banks. I'm knowledgeable in the banking space, and um, but yeah, uh, the um, uh, the other element is I want to ask you something. Uh, look at your data podcast around data democracy, and I love the term data democracy, and. Um, uh, and I was just listening to one of the episodes today, uh, driving to work, uh, about uh, and got me thinking: like, what does data democracy really mean in terms of an in practical terms for an organization? 
And the analogy that I came up with that I want to share with you is, um, you know, there used to be like a saying, I don't know if it was Winston Churchill or whoever said that it's like, there was the best argument against democracy is the five minute discussion with the average voter. What was the, yeah. what's the <laughs> best argument? What's the best argument? But it's still the best we have, right? Obviously, I'm a yeah, obvious yeah. Democrat. But uh, the state of data, what's the best arguments against data democracy? Well, the, the best argument against data democracy is giving the unfiltered ability to select star to a business user and a uh, five-minute check on how they use it, right? Is the best argument not to democratize it fully. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so and, and both, in both cases, in terms of, of a society at large and in terms of, of, of data-driven organizations, the key is what's the average in terms of ability, uh, you know, technical and business and this, uh, capability of the actual user to utilize yeah. this data, to utilize this freedom. Because it's not just you have the rights to select star, you have the rights to open up a data catalog, look up whatever data field you like and just roll with it. But you also have the responsibility uh, to go about it in an economical, in a reasonable, in a professional way. And what you soon find is that with an increasing complexity uh, and an increasing uh, um, you know, volume of data and just increasing number of tools that you have to know, uh, that you need uh, just an uplift in the average, in the median ability of a user to deal with this. And then they can profit from the data democracy. Otherwise, they're just they're just gonna they're just gonna not use the tools and and yeah. and, and and have parallel, just like we used to have parallel ITs. They will have parallel databases in Excel and, exactly. and all of that. So, no, so I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wanna I wanna make sure I I uh, steer the conversation a little bit. Uh, Evo, you're wonderfully on fire, and I love it. Uh, um, I also think about data democracy in, in terms of in the terms that you're talking about here, right? I've been thinking about it while doing the podcast, also prior to doing the podcast, that uh, data democracy is something where if you compare it to society uh, and to societal democracy, then we can't all be judges. We can't all be the police. We can't all be um, the ministers and um, like uh, the government uh, and 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 uh, like all the public agencies we have, we can't all be that, but they're part of democracy. And what we are experiencing as, as the lucky citizens we are of democracies is the liberties of democracy, not the technical details of it, not the hassle of actually running it. And then there is this constant conversation that needs to take place that is really the upkeeping of a democracy. A, a, a democracy can very easily deteriorate uh, in society. I see if we don't insist on it and practice it and think about what it is all the time. And it's not to make IT as intellectually difficult as the structuring of society, but here we are facing this enormous potential, right, of the of the IT landscape with all the data it has internally in organizations and at large uh, in in on the on the web, um, on the internet. How do we how do we how do we get the maximum uh, out of that? Anyway, Ivo, please take it away. Yeah, well, <laughs> this brings us to a, to a something that um, that that actually, what is it? So yeah, so yeah, transparency. And, you know, obviously have segregation of responsibilities and different areas of expertise also relates to how companies and data uh, is, uh, fits together. But I'm thinking in order to, to be able to, you know, everyone was talking about the self-service analytics, right? Mm -hmm. So 
they said, oh, we'll just give minimal governance and we'll let it roll. It, it, it seems that governance is very difficult, right? Creating mm. proper data governance is very hard. And in, in banking used to be driven by, by regulators. Mm. One of the things that they really did well, I think, is to just uh, um, provide legislation and rules and checks to make sure that, that banks have a, that this is basically post the Lehman crash, uh, all the legislation globally that rolled out from uh, in individual countries and, 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 and uh, global regulations around it. But that did not happen in many industries, right? They, 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 you know, they have to come to the realization uh, on their own that, you know, having, having proper data governance is a must because data governance is not a, is not a very interesting a uh, very mm -hmm. uh, sexy business case that you bring it to the management and you know get them all excited about data governance and they're just uh, funding this uh, uh, all the way through, right? This is something that is a fundamental infrastructure type of work where where you really need um, very good understanding of what you're trying to achieve on a multi-year platform and then and then create all the teams, the tools and and really tailor it to our organization so you're not over-provisioned on governance and over-bureaucratic, but you're also not completely, like, this is not an anarchy. It's still democracy that has rules. Uh, so, you know, I think most self-service, like 1.0 uh, platforms did not work well. No. And everybody, everyone took the learnings. But that was the, that was the idea, no? We just, we'll provide minimal governance, and then you guys roll with mm -hmm. it, and, you know, um, businesses, business users can use it. Uh, and, and just talking about data governance has become only, let's say, um, interesting again uh, with the hype around AI. And I think this is a time where we slide in <laughs> uh, that we're going to have a joint event uh, uh, in Vienna uh, yeah. uh, where we're going to talk just about that. Yes, exactly. That's... Uh... That's the surprise element uh, that we uh, were to unreal here at the end of the I conversation. Hope I didn't steal the <laughs> no, 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 no! You should steal everything <laughs> I possibly can, Ivo. I love you. Uh, steal it. Um, so yes, we are going to do a, uh, uh, an event together in Vienna, and I think uh, the spirit of this conversation is one of, um, if if I may say so, Ivo, of Viennese intellectualism. Uh, marinated in data and IT. And I think that's just the kind of conversation we need to have in this community, right? Where we do not only talk tech, uh, flash capabilities uh, and buzzwords, but where we really get into the core uh, things, the, the real uh, substance of uh, where the tech is taking us and where we should try to uh, steer it at, right? That's really what the conversation we need to have uh, around AI uh, these years. Uh, just n not only having this hype, and luckily, luckily, and I think you agree with me that the hype around AI has flattened a little, and we're getting our more realistic about okay, how can we actually apply it in organization? What I think we are lacking, and what we also need to be need to to discuss is is this governance element. So not only how can we use it, but how how should we use use it? What would be the uh, proper way to uh, to encapsulate it? And 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 again, <clears throat> how should we use adjacent technology, knowledge? How should we discover data so that we can make AI more um, structured, more basically useful and uh, correct? I think that is a discussion that we uh, that everyone should have, and we will be having that in Vienna uh, on December. 
seventh in the morning in the beautiful uh, Erstebank building in, in downtown yeah. Vienna. Yeah, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I think the 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 story around how it's just like the invention of the transformer just sat for a while until until we had ChatGPT three, uh, GPT three, uh, and ChatGPT just um, shock everyone. Uh, mm. But then uh, all the practical issues around you know using it for everything just uh, became evident. Right after the initial shock, uh, shock I think. You're fully, fully right that uh, people started asking questions. Well, you know, what does that mean for me and my industry? Uh, mm. what, use, what use cases uh, uh, must I do with it? What, what can I do with it? Um, how about uh, infrastructure that I need or people that we need uh, for this to, uh, to, 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 to transform our process to, to, to have certain elements? Yeah. Of yeah. This? Do I need open source models? Do I need, uh, do I need um, you know, do I need to, to, to you know, is this generic models, are they going to be the answer for everything or are we going to have specialized models? Um, you know, every, every, uh, you know, every regulated industry person, uh, decision maker, immediate, their immediate thought is, okay, we need to, what, what, what kind of infra do we need, you know, uh, to, to, to get this up and running on premise? And you tell them the amount, they're like, oof, and suddenly the business case is not so great. Uh, mm -hmm. But then, well, yeah, because essentially uh, there, is a, there, is a, there is a huge benefit to using the economies of scale that um uh that a cloud can provide but there's also all the all, all sorts of interesting hardware uh things coming up where you would be able to uh, to run these things on premise as well not only in the small but also on the larger scale so all these practical problems and then yeah and data and, and then data governance pops in mm -hmm. again okay do mm -hmm. i have the data for it how do i find it in my company right uh who owns it um mm -hmm. where can where can i see what we uh you know what are the problems like you know it seems to me that that there's lots of uh, uh, lots of decision makers that have, um, you know, because it, it, we need to remember in the history of of this AI hype cycles that this it's like a, it's, yeah, it, it's a sine sine wave kind of a thing. There, there used to be a previous escape around AI ML, and it kind of died out after a lot of use cases and their promised uh, business case numbers didn't materialize. Right. Yeah, yeah. Invested, yeah, exactly. Invested millions of 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 um of euros, dollars, what have you, and it turns out that you didn't the uplift wasn't hundred percent, it was two point three percent or five points, but it was just not the and then and, and then the interest immediately died out. Some you know programs got cancelled or teams reorganized. Uh then 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 the then data engineering become became became um interesting because uh, you know, this is where, where the bulk of the spent goes uh, and not really on the data science. Mm -hmm. uh, but now with, 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 with uh, generative AI, that's clearly across every industry, everyone is talking about that. From doctors to lawyers to bankers to production companies, everyone, uh, is supply chain and everyone in between. It's really interesting. And I just want to comment a little bit. I think, first of all, um, what you said about data governance, I think that is actually a very good... Um, there is a very obvious link to, to society uh, again here and the societal democracies and the governor democracy. They are usually not that tech savvy, right? The, the regulations and the laws that are being put forward is something that to a certain extent at least um, misunderstands uh, technology or limits it in a way that's not very cool. And yet we need that law. We need those regulations. We need them badly. 
um, and they're doing the best they can. And I wouldn't be any better at it. It's just that there is this mismatch between many uh, initiatives in terms of laws and regulations and the technology itself. Now, very, very good governors, uh, I dare call them that, are capable of, of, of reaching some kind of compromise where they understand technology and they understand the regulatory reality around that technology. And then they create regulations that are really powerful and good. And I think in terms of data governance in an enterprise context, it's a little bit the same thing. You see a lot of data governance people not being that tech savvy. And it's really a problem because then they build raw. I mean, the classic example is the, is the, is the security aware CISO, right? That has too little technical understanding of, for example, the cloud and, and, and what constitutes security on the cloud. Then they provide this kind of data governance that is comes with the best of intentions, but is really damaging both the technology and the business at large, right? So we have to, in terms of governance, we have to find that golden middle path between people that are good at creating regulations, but also have a deeply technical understanding. And those people are just so difficult to find, right? My, my view on this is that, um, well, or main levels, like, I mean, I'm more of a classical liberal, so I'm always very skeptical of regulation, except yeah. in the cases where we absolutely need it. And, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and Agreed. so Agreed. The, the difficulty with this is that before, so we absolutely, like, for example, GDPR and data privacy regulation, we absolutely need it. There's, there's no mm. question around it. And it wasn't so obvious in the beginning, uh, might I say, right? Uh, but as soon as you read this, this legislation back with GDPR and the document reads more like a, best practices blog post, mm -hmm. then you know it's good. Because, mm -hmm. because then it's about how to create something that, that really has everyone's best interest at heart, including, um, uh, which, we, which we'll see now with the AI Act in, in, in Europe, hopefully, is that it also limits the amount of bad stuff that individual national governments can do because mm -hmm. it's a huge risk, right? Yeah, and yeah. So, 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 so having legislation around there to limit their ability to misuse this um, the way that many countries around the world are just eager to get their hands on more advanced AI technology in order to, you know, cement their position in their respective societies and just, uh, um, you know, basically to everyone's peril is, is very important. While at the same time, it is important that we also get knowledgeable people who can, who can, who can instill sensible regulation around, you know, using AI models for unethical things, uh, lack of transparency. And unethical behavior in general uh, should be severely discouraged and punished by, this by, by such regulation. And what I think will end up happening in Europe, because let's face it, Europe is not at the, Europe is a great museum. It's great. Um, it looks great. It's very comfortable, nice to live in. But we are kind of, as Europeans, losing out on, on the technology race globally, with very few exceptions, things happening. But interestingly happening not in really in the EU, right? Switzerland, UK, leading the way in many things, the way that I, I guess Vienna, Berlin, and Paris are really not. Um, and I don't want to neglect Warsaw and uh, Bucharest and other places in the European Union or, mm -hmm. or Athens, but, but it really feels like, like, like the, the whole thing is driven by, by Asia and, 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 and North America, right? Around AI. And since everyone will more or less for different reasons, create AI regulation. Uh, 
what I think what will end up happening that we could pretty much export for the good towards the world is sensible European, uh, um, sensible European uh, AI regulation that others will have to comply with in order to access our enormous market, right? Mm. In a way that even the United States would not, I think, be able to, to, to control as, as good. So to be honest, I actually view this positively, kind of unusual for me in, in that, in that <laughs> case, uh, because, because the Europeans have, have done, you know, we, we're good at regulation, uh, not only as a joke, but also actually. So, uh, so I think that's positive, right? And, 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 and then you can have like practices and startups around handling this exported all over the world uh, where, where European companies are the best at data governance or among the best, where mm -hmm. they, uh, both in terms of tools and practices and solving practical challenges, kind of have to push the others to adopt them. So in this regard, I'm, I'm, I'm optimist for Europe, right? <laughs> well, um, if you are a pessimist, Ivo, you are the most happy, energetic pessimist I know. Uh, but uh, but but that said, I I I actually I am a, actually quite a, an optimist for European tech. I think uh, the the recent years has have revealed that that Europeans are, are getting back on their feet in terms of tech. Uh, I I gotta say honestly, I had the same kind of feeling um, a couple of years ago, and I and I gotta say it's completely unscientific. I have no no documents uh, backing this up, and I but what I am uh aware of courses that we of course lack the the big funds the vcs of the bay area uh we don't have them in in, in europe uh, and so a lot of startups are, are getting bought of course by um by american money base so, so so i'm not that much of an of a of, of a pessimist but i do and i i do also recognize that you you mentioned a, a lot of uh, tech pockets there in london in bucharest in uh, warsaw there, there are a lot of, I think, very interesting hubs uh, around in in Europe. Uh, I got it. I think, I think the solution to this is actually much simpler than a lot of people, uh, and and also a lot of governments. Maybe not the solution, but like a supercharger for European tech would be if, like, we don't need all the stupid money, you know, chasing absolutely. For, from a European perspective, you look at their portfolios, like they really invested, like. What like hundred million in this? Like that does not make sense at all. It only makes no. sense if it's like this crazy thing will continue, which with my very well. But I would never like as a European, you're much more cautious about this. So yeah. we're not really missing out on much. And I think the money will come under. We need two things to happen in Europe, uh, which um, might very well happen. One is we need the ability to an individual country. Some individual countries, like we have offices in several countries. We open up a office in Spain. Uh, uh, not that long ago and, and have offices in Central Europe and Western Europe. And we see the differences in how quickly, how quickly you can basically employ someone from outside of, of Europe to relocate them because you need the best and the brightest to come in Europe. Yeah, we yeah. have great people, but we also need everyone that can contribute positively uh, to, to come here and, and realize course. Their, course. Their, their ideas. So I think the whole... Um, the whole, and some individual countries realize that and doing stuff about it, but it's happening slower and, and, and it's like pockets around the map of like, yeah. okay, um, so this is not great. You really need the ability to get, to get someone. Uh, and, and when you look at how the U S is absolutely incapable of 
of creating sensible immigration legislation for like decades already, uh, it's pretty easy to, it's a pretty low grab to get the best talent in Europe to work mm -hmm. for our startups. So, uh, so it's not, it, it's not, it's not really handy. Rest is obviously, um, um, you know, um, dealing with some of the, um, you know, um, other, um, you know, I don't know, taxation and other, uh, you need to deal with a lot of issues, but it's still very much possible to have like a European tech boom. It is happening despite the efforts of the governments and not because of the, <laughs> yeah, if you look yeah. at it from a Europe, if you zoom out and you look at it from a European perspective, I know individual yeah. countries and people listening be like, oh, my country did this. And so, yeah, but your country, I'm talking about Europe, Europe yeah. as a whole. And, and Europe as a whole needs to, to get this down a little better. And I'm still optimistic that that will do it. It's still much easier to get people to come to Europe than to go to the United States or even Canada. Uh, and, 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 and so our prospects are not, are, are not that bad. And again, if I might allow, I think Eastern Europe is kind of leading the way in many, in many things and Western Europe is catching up for, yeah. for many other agreed. reasons. But agreed. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Agreed. I, I definitely see the same pattern. I have worked with people from, uh, from uh, especially from Poland, and they are just so good. And they have just get it, keep, they have kept getting better and better and better for the last 10, 15 years at a pace where I got to say they are hungry uh, to prove just how good they are. Um, I know they have preferred, Microsoft has many preferred partners in, in Poland, uh, and that's for a reason, right? right? They, are, they are really, uh, really very, very good. And um, yeah, so yeah, and I think there's well, a... I can I can testify to that. We have Yeah, great... yeah, and they are just well educated, hard working and they cost what a fourth or like I don't know, but if you compare I guess every European if you compare to the US salaries are lower than in 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 the US, but I think that will also be a competitive advantage for us going forward. I mean a data engineer we, we, taking care of pipelines on the on the west coast of the US, they have like the salary of a CEO in, in Europe, right? Yeah, but this is but this is kind of yeah, but but this is this is also something that I think post pandemic was was great for for most of Europe, maybe globally, but also for Europe because you had all of these access to talent that doesn't just have to you know travel to the office every day and uh, and, and and it's. And it, 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 the working from remotely became the norm. So yeah. even if you go to the office, you're mostly sitting on, on calls. So this is great. And I think you still have to consider the fact that the European economy, uh, especially if you consider Western Europe, uh, compared to, to, to compared to the United States, the difference has grown a lot, meaning that, that, that Western Europe has is severely fallen behind and not for decades not growing the way that the US is growing. So yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of right. there's a lot of things that we need to realize that we shouldn't be a museum. We shouldn't we should be at the forefront of things, and yeah. and and there's quite a few of, of changes. I agree. But, oh, I agree. But, Evo. We we need more entrepreneurial spirit in the Europe in, in European Union, right? And and in Europe at large. But I think we will Denmark, have that. right. Yeah, hmm? in, Denmark, in Denmark, it's it's not much different, right? There's a lot of people prefer safety and and the corporate experience, and not yeah. there's not a lot of yeah. entrepreneurial. Kind of by default, and uh, yeah, if, nope, if I nope. can, if I have to do a gig at a company for a while to get some experience, that's just a temporary thing until I set up my own shop. This is not how how Europeans how we think, right? It's like oh, we need a stable company, come in there, yeah. stay there, yeah, and um, for fourteen years and do don't move, just do the same thing again and again and again for years, right? Uh, for me, that's a horror vision. I I could never be, I wouldn't be able to do that. I 
I need to get a lot of different experiences. And, and definitely at one point in my life, I would found my company. I have actually done that. It wasn't that successful, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and I also, no, I did two companies. One that was quite yeah, yeah, and, and this, this should be like a badge of honor. Like every company yeah. you, you, you fail at should be like, oh, you, you did. But it, it, I, think, I think you have a lot of confidence in the, in the, in the younger generation of Europeans that, that, that they, will, they will look towards that because the way, in a way, if you consider the fact that diversity is shrinking in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in a way, well, you can misunderstand this, that it's a bad thing. In effect, we are more beginning to be alike. So the difference is, Mm. are smaller and and the differences between the entrepreneurial spirit of the countries that are catching up and 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 the established countries where you knew that you know your stable 20 year or uh, tenure at a company was the norm and this because you how how you've seen it this is all kind of equalizing normalizing so i think this mm -hmm. will um this will play out for, for for the better in the data space um i still think that we could Europe could, could still come up with and, and continue to be a leader in various elements of it. Uh, not only export cars, which we aren't really doing that much of. <laughs> no, no, we will stop doing that. Petrol-based cars should not be our the the, the good of the future. But no, uh, but right. uh, still, in terms of uh, of of leading how we transform these enterprises and how we uh, how we um, uh, deal uh, with AI in ethical way and how we um, uh, you know. Um, one of the things that 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 we that, that we do that one of my uh, products that I'm focusing on is a is a framework that we're developing. If you allow me to just explain, because it ties up to this transformation discussion and how we move forward is, uh, you, you know, having um, we have essentially a tool uh, that is a framework built around uh, how do how do you migrate large scale projects from legacy systems into modern technologies and projects that was that you couldn't do it before because the economics of it was, was prohibitive to move away from something like COBOL code or SAS code uh, into more, more modern technology where you need it, where, uh, where now we have tooling that's um, based on various, uh, um, including pre-trained or open source um, and, and closed source um, uh, large language models. So um, there's, a, there's a huge opportunity in front of us to transform Europe by utilizing this new AI technology also for just refactoring old projects and just bringing European enterprises, big in the financial sector uh, or in other sectors that rely, uh, like aviation is an example where that, that relies on a lot of legacy code, uh, but also various other industries that were that actually digitized in the 80s. Well, these guys, they need to migrate away. Uh, and now with AI, these projects become economically sensible to do. And so um, we're very excited about this new wave of, of, of uh, migrating old projects. And we have uh, some tooling and, and, and IP around that that, uh, that that is very exciting. And I'm happy to report it comes out of Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that more and more tech should do. And, and I think this is a, a fantastic uh, conclusion on our conversation. Um, thank you, Ivo, for being on. And I will see you uh, the 7th of December for a tech breakfast at Erste Bank in Vienna. Thank you so much.